0: Everybody, quickly, before we begin this episode of You Are Good, uh, it's me, your co-host Alex Teed. I just want to tell you, before we start talking about Birds of Prey, which we discuss with our fabulous guest, J.V. Hampton Van Zandt, You Are Good is a feelings podcast about movies. It's a podcast where we discuss movies as a means of uh, discussing what's going on in our heads and our hearts. That's what You Are Good is about. So uh, if you're here to uh, hear us talk about camera angles and cuts and editing, uh, maybe another day. Today's for feelings, (laughs) as are all the other days for this podcast in particular. (laughs) Yeah, I just wanted to let you know that that's what this particular conversation about Birds of Prey is about with, again, our fabulous guest, J.V. Hampton-Van Zant. A few things before we begin. First, You Are Good is made possible with support from Factory. K-N-A-C-K Factory, which is a commercial and creative video content production company based in Portland, Maine, but does work throughout these here United States. It's Knack Factory, K-N-A-C-K Factory. It's not Nap Factory. It's Knack Factory. It's not Nick Offerman Factory. It's Knack Factory. It's not Nick Nolte Factory. It's Knack Factory, K-N-A-C-K Factory.com. I'm one of the guys who owns it, so i believe in it (laughs) (laughs) thank you so much snack factory and you are good as made possible with your support if you are one of our patreon supporters thank you so much for supporting us on patreon you can find an episode of one of our most recent episodes is about point break and it's about summer school two fabulous summer movies and the conversations are a little less formal it's just a couple of folks Talking about being friends and the things they enjoy together. And in this case, we talked about Point Break. We talked about Summer School. So uh, support us over there. Get some bonus content. Win-win as far as I'm concerned. And win-win as far as, I guess, Mark Harmon, Jar of Summer School, would be concerned if he knew that we were having this conversation right now. Thank you so much to everyone who listens to this show, to you for listening to the show right now. Uh, Please leave us a review. If that's a thing that you're into, stars are great. Words are great. We love a review on Apple. If that's a thing you can do, find us on social media, on Instagram and on Twitter. And know that we put out a playlist of songs inspired by our episodes, by the conversation, by the movies themselves. And you can find that in the show notes, linked right in the show notes. Check it out. How's it going out there? How are you feeling? How's your head and your heart? Tell us what's going on. We'd love to hear from you. All right. Let's get into this conversation. Again, we're talking Birds of Prey with J.V. Hampton Van Zant.
1: They say, if you want to tell a story right, you've got to start at the
0: beginning. I lost all sense of who I was. I only had eyes for pudding. I had to find a new identity. You're building a criminal empire because daddy kicked you out of Janice Court and you think this is a big funky, but in actuality, it's a very misguided attempt
1: to win Becky's respect.
0: I get it. You're really not as complicated as you think. I'll give you till midnight. And then I'm gonna peel off that pretty face and pickle it. Nothing gets a guy's attention like Violet's. Oh shit, is that a hyena in a bathtub? I <laughs> named him Bruce after that hunky whiny oh. guy. So, unless we all want to die very unpleasant deaths and let Roman go finger fishing in the kid's intestinal tract, we're gonna have to work together. I'm not going soft or nothing, but
1: gotta admit, it's kind of nice having the kid around.
0: (laughs) Hello, Sarah Marshall.
1: Hello, Alex Steed. How are your baby crows? My baby crows are amazing. I live in a neighborhood that has adolescent crows running around right now. They're going around saying, Caw, caw, I'm a little baby.
0: (laughs) I wish you had baby hyenas after seeing this movie.
1: Oh my gosh, I know. Well, that reminds me actually that when I was a little kid, my family watched a lot of nature on PBS. And I remember learning about hyenas and how they like cackle. And hearing the coyotes that we would hear howl together at night, and I decided in my child brain that there were hyenas wandering around in rural Oregon
0: beautiful beautiful (laughs) so speaking of birds and hyenas Mm -hmm. uh, we watched birds of prey yes which was fabulous
1: birds of prey colon hyenas in love
0: (laughs) (laughs) and and we're watching this we're watching this because our wonderful guest uh jv hampton van zandt brought it to us jv tell us about you and and your relationship to this movie yes hello
2: Uh, So I have seen this movie now 27 times because I did rewatch it again Wow, (laughs) two days ago.
1: That's the magic number.
2: This movie's only been out for a little over
0: a year. That's fine. Um...
1: (laughs) This is mind-blowing to me. This movie came out last year. Can you believe that? Right? (laughs)
0: This might be the newest movie we've ever done.
1: I think it is.
2: I love this movie a lot. What I sort of realized the other day was that at the time that the movie came out, I was just dealing with a breakup from a situation that was not ideal. <clears throat> that man was no joke and couldn't be if he tried. <laughs> <laughs> but at the same time, like it had all the warning signs of an excessively like problematic thing. It didn't last super long, but I was still in the exact correct headspace for this movie to hit exactly perfectly. Mm. And it did. And I have since then written an entire audio fiction sequel to this movie, um, oh, wow. which has <laughs> now entirely come out and is almost the same runtime as the length of this movie, which it like went all put together, which I feel pretty great about.
0: Yeah. Oh, fantastic. So someone who's yearning for a sequel has a sequel after they watch this movie. Yeah. Oh, that's that's wonderful. Exactly. Sarah Marshall. Yes. Tell us about Birds of Prey. Walk us through for someone who has not seen this movie 27 or 28 times. Good luck.
1: Well, (laughs) I'll start with like tonally where this movie is because I feel like that's a kind of holds everything else together. Birds of Prey is about Harley Quinn, who is a character, to my understanding, entered the Batman canon via Batman the Animated Series When I used to be on Twitter and I would be like, I'm watching such and such Batman thing and I'm overthinking this thing and it annoys me. People would always be like, watch the animated series. That's the best Batman thing. And I have not watched really very much of it at all. But the little of it that I have watched, I'm like, yeah, this is the best bat because it just has space and Batman is a cartoon like that's he was born in Toontown and (laughs) it's always weird when he leaves Toontown in a way.
0: (laughs) Batman the Animated Series it just struck me reminds me of like Batman if it was Mad Men.
1: Bad men. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <Yeah>.
0: Mad men. <laughs> I love it so much. I was a huge, 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 huge fan as a kid, but, like, it just hit me that I was like, oh, yeah, it's like Mad Men for Batman.
1: <laughs> as someone who experienced it at the age it was designed for, like, what was that like?
0: Oh, it was, like, so cool because... I liked X-Men a lot. I don't know when these two things line up, but I liked X-Men a lot, but it felt like X-Men was so like fantastic and like bright and vibrant and mm-hmm. like like action. And Batman, Batman, the animated series, was like cerebral and like a noir, and like it felt like very heady for children, yeah. but it took children very seriously. And I right. really loved it felt like someone respected me enough to take me seriously, which I really liked about it.
1: Right. It's like, this is a noir for children. Like we know right. that you, you maybe <laughs> yeah. you like animaniacs and maybe sometimes you're in a more pensive mood and you want to watch Batman, the animated series. And so I was thinking that the tone of this movie is interesting because I, my understanding also is that Batman, the animated series was made possible by the success of the, late eighties, early nineties Burton Schumacher Batman movies where it was like, hey, let's let's milk Batman for some more money. Like Batman's udders are, are hefty with milk. <laughs> Sorry.
2: <laughs> well <laughs> when you're right, you're right. Just <laughs> and,
1: and so it's the, we have this funny like aquifer of tone where you have like Tim Burton Batman and Schumacher Batman, both of which are are pretty Toontown In themselves, and then that gets turned into a literal cartoon, and then that influences very clearly both in creating characters for it and in just kind of establishing where we are tonally now. I think birds of prey. So we have like a movie based on a cartoon based on other movies Yep, and it, yeah. And it's a beautiful tone breakfast sandwich.
0: Yeah. Based on comics, based on noir. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. So that's what we, we're working with. And I'll also say that like this movie made me very nostalgic for like baby Sarah who loved movie violence in a way that I now suspect had something to do with the fact that I had a lot of anger that I had no idea what to do with or how to acknowledge.
2: Oof, what a mood.
1: And so I would just watch Kill Bill <laughs> all the time.
0: <laughs> oh, and I mean, God, if I have not seen a movie borrow so heavily from a movie that borrows so heavily since seeing this movie today. Yes.
1: <laughs> exactly, exactly. This movie is like you took a bunch of stocks made out of different Animals, and then you made
0: that stock into a super stock, mm. and then it was soup. And we know that I don't know names of anyone, but I was like, The white ladies kill Bill. Yeah, like that was my take oh, on this yeah, movie. Like, that
2: checks out. <laughs> 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 I love her a lot as a character. She is uh the exact correct balance of absolute badass who cannot, cannot handle a conversation
1: um i I love her
2: a lot she's just absolutely precious
1: she is precious this is such a well anyway i should i could start with the plot because i'll never get there otherwise okay here's (laughs) what happens we start with harley quinn she gives us a little tune rendition of her early life which is that her daddy ditched her she grew up in a catholic orphanage she threw herself into her work had her heart broken became a psychiatrist fell madly in love with the Joker when she was working with him at Arkham, and then teamed up and they became villains together, and then he ditched her um and she also saved the world in there for it, which is like very briefly mentioned, which I assume is the events of suicide squad. I haven't seen any of the other movies where Margot Robbie is Harley Quinn because I wanted I felt like this was the movie that the success of her and those other movies kind of enabled to happen and maybe it needed yes. to happen as a clean slate for some viewers and that could be a positive thing. And also I didn't want to watch suicide squad right now because everyone says terrible things about it all the time. That's fair. I feel
2: like that movie gets a lot more crap than it does. I I will say Mm. that Margot Robbie is my favorite part of that whole movie. Mm -hmm. Just like the way her character is introduced and like was just beautiful And just, Mm. like, it was a well-shot thing.
1: And I feel like the conversations we have about movies like these, it's like, there are two different questions happening at any given time, and sometimes it's hard to know which one is being answered. There's, like, is this something cinema should be doing, which is contentious. And then there's, is it being done well, if we Mm. assume, you know, if we take the first thing as, like, well, you know, movies can be all kinds of different things, so I guess, you know, they can be this as well. But... Yeah. And something that the soundtrack here is also doing, which I love, which I know that Suicide Squad has been criticized for, but which, you know, Scorsese does it. So why not? Is that this, this music at any given moment will often be directly being like, here's what's happening in the story. If you listen to the lyrics a tiny little bit, it's like, here's what's going on. Mm -hmm. If you were confused
0: I was going to say This actually has like The old One of my favorite things That like 70s horror movies did Is at least one song Refers to the Like the literal plot Of the movie Yeah, Like at least one of the songs Like talks about What's going on in Gotham City Yes Where like I love I love that so much Most wanted in Gotham All your diamonds is missing I did absolutely Just listen to the
2: soundtrack (laughs) Fantastic
0: (laughs) Was that specifically For the movie Or did Was it just Happened to be a Gotham City reference. Either way, I was like, I like how it lines up.
2: I can only assume that that song in particular was specifically for this movie, because that whole second yeah. verse is nothing if not a just giant conversation about, this is the movie that you are seeing.
0: Yay! Yeah, <laughs> I'm a kid who came out when like the the MC Hammer song came out for um, Adam's Family Values, so like that's directed to me, like yes. a song that is referring to exactly what's happening.
1: So I think we're getting to something important about birds of prey which is that it's not trying to be cool it is like wildly camp oh yeah oh. and wild and just like hand holding to the audience to a degree that i love yeah because i never know what's happening at any given time unless i've seen something like five times before oh, like yeah. an example of how this movie does it is that so Harley Quinn breaks up with the Joker, she doesn't want anyone to know, because like people think that she's his gal and therefore they don't come after her, and she does impulsively kill people. which an interesting thing about this movie is that that's just like a fun fact about her. And
0: she just kills people.
1: She just kills people sometimes. So Harley Quinn is basically out there wronging a lot of people, and then when the penny drops, that she and the Joker have split. Everybody starts coming after her. And so we get a scene where they all converge on her at once and she's trying to get away. And as we're seeing people coming after her, they do this cute little thing where they freeze frame it for a second. They're like, who is this person? Like name on the screen and then grievance. And so like five or ten minutes ago in the movie, we saw her jump on a guy's legs and break his knees like a driver for a mobster played by Ewan McGregor, (laughs) which we will get into. We see him noticing her and coming after her. They freeze frame. They say his name. They say grievance, broken legs or whatever. And you're like, yeah, I remember that because that happened like eight minutes ago. And then they flash back to it as well. And it's like, (laughs) you know, I knew by now, but like. This is also a movie for, like, little girls with anger issues, and maybe they didn't know, and or they can't read that fast. It's
2: always good to have a nice reminder.
1: Yeah, and maybe you <laughs> wanted to see that happen again, you know? And, like, yeah, I just love—it's not taking a bunch of time out of your day to see that again for a second,
0: like I'm not gonna argue for what's proportionate or whatever, but like we see like almost every protagonist who is a woman in this movie get assaulted at least like once or twice, yeah, in like a, a skeevy real way or like an attempted or like a successful or whatever. So also like usually the grievance is someone getting paid back for some shit that they did,
1: and there's a lot of bad men in Gotham.
0: Well, yeah, one guy the grievance is his dick was cut off, which I. Loved.
1: I didn't even notice that.
0: Oh, was that what that was? I wasn't. Well, it was like symbolized by like the nose smoking Ghostbusters sign with an eggplant in the middle of it. Oh. Guess
1: what, Alex? This is such a great example of like, because I assumed that that was just because she didn't want to have sex with him. And so he decided to come kill her.
0: Yeah. Oh, I thought the grievance. Yeah. Which is, that's a great read. Both of
1: ours are equally possible. I feel like.
0: I read it as removed eggplant. I like
1: your idea better. <laughs> Mine is more realistic and sadder That does
2: check out But also like I don't know that that feels out of character or not Cause like it feels like there would need to be a reason She fed a man to a hyena
1: <laughs> Well Yeah
2: That man deserved to be fed to a hyena <laughs> I, I personally think He should have been fed to
0: that hyena
1: <laughs> Well let's, let's just put a pin in that Okay so Let us know on Twitter
0: did she cut the dick off?
1: <laughs> just do a poll, Alex. People love polls, they're great for engagement.
0: Yeah, I'll do a poll. I just want to say that tonally, this conversation so far matches the exact tone of Birds of Prey.
1: Exactly. <laughs> yes, yes. I, too, cannot tell a story linearly. I love, I identify with Harley (laughs) Quinn for so many reasons. That's going to be the takeaway.
2: (laughs) I was also going to add one of the things that I find important with this story is the fact that Ms. Harley is not a reliable narrator. It took me a little bit to really sort of remember that. But she's not the most reliable narrator in this story, which is why, like, with all of those little cards popping up, it's worded in such a way that we will still understand mm. and most likely side with her in whatever the dispute is. Mm. Naturally, that would happen because she is the one who is telling us those things,
1: like Dame Judy Dench in *Notes on a Scandal*.
2: Oh, yes. <laughs> I think that it is the reason that there are certain characters that we don't we don't delve farther enough into. Mm-hmm. I only say that because I do wish that we had a, now an entire film for Journey Smollett because I want every single bit of her origin story up to the mm-hmm. point where she works there. I would like to meet her mother is really, I guess, what I'm saying. Oh, yeah. I just <laughs> want to meet her mom before she apparently got gunned down in the street.
1: For being a police informant? <laughs> I think that was what that was. I wasn't sure...
2: What the deal was there? Or rather, more accurately, I wasn't sure with the movie and how the movie has chosen to show Mm -hmm. anything to do with her character. I wasn't sure what her mom exactly was like help out at the gcpd sure does that mean that she is informing on people does that mean she is a mole does that mean she is an agent
1: was she one of those superheroes who works with the police as happens in gotham because precisely we learned that her daughter the black canary has magical singing Powers, which is like that just happens, and you're like, oh, and, and they never established it before. Mm-hmm. I'm sure other movies do
0: that, but I just found it so charming. I wish on some level, but although I'm glad that didn't happen, that like Harley Quinn's like, did that really happen? Although, because like that's the impression I get from like the Batman universe is like, it's all real, like real life, but then there's just the, the occasional mm-hmm. superhero type person.
1: Right. Well, it's interesting because like there's a ton of villains. And some of them are super and some of them are just depressed. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I can
2: fully explain the Black Canary in the origin of her power. Okay. She is my favorite character in anything. Um, I love her always in anything she appears in. This, however, is my favorite portrayal of her because this is Mm. the one and only time that she has been a woman of color. Mm. Actually, mm, mm, I take that back. In the Arrowverse, I guess there is one other version of her that I think is a person of color. I'm not sure. Mm -hmm. But in this one, it's clear and apparent and part of her story that she is. They did mention in the movie that she had a killer voice. However, they didn't quite explain what that meant. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) And it's sort of the result of... In the comics, I guess, in the current sort of version of it, it's the result of genetic testing done on her mom. Oh. Oh. That she agreed to but while she was working specifically for the police. Mm. And she got the ability to just scream real loud and just break everything, just break the whole
0: universe. You know, whose genetic testing I trust is the 1980s Gotham PD. I don't see (laughs) see what that's going to be like. They just,
1: like, find a vat of chemicals in a warehouse, and they're like, we're just going to inject this into your arm and see what happens. We'll just see what happens. It's fine. (laughs) (laughs) Harley Quinn has like some Fran Fine DNA in her and that makes all the difference. So Harley is a Gotham villain who is crying into her cheese whiz and she is searching for a raison d'etre. So she starts to inadvertently put a team together because first all of her enemies are coming down on her and so she goes on the run and at the same time... Cassandra Kane, who is a young, like I would say, like 14, maybe 15-year-old foster child pickpocket, manages to cross paths with one of the goons employed by Mobster Ewan McGregor, who also employs the Black Canary, first as a singer in his nightclub and then as his driver. He is looking for this movie's MacGuffin, which is the Burtonelli Diamond. And I love when movies have diamonds in them <laughs> and people are trying to get the diamonds.
0: With a name.
1: Yes, the named diamond, like in The <laughs> Great Muppet Caper. It's always a good time when you have a specific diamond. The Or Titanic. That's a we got to get the diamond movie. They're always good. And, <laughs> and so they have this diamond, which is valuable, not just because it's a wonderful, beautiful diamond, but because... In its crystal structure somehow is encoded the access information for the offshore bank accounts of the Bertinelli family, who are a family that were gunned down by mobsters in order to get the diamond many years ago and the diamond went missing. And this is going to be important later. Mm -hmm. So... Ewan McGregor's goon gets the diamond. So he's just like, I found it. It's Pawn Stars. We bought the right storage locker and the Bertinelli diamond, whatever. It's a MacGuffin. Mm-hmm. And so the, his goon has it. And Cassandra Kane, the young pickpocket, picks his pocket, which has a diamond in it. And then she eats it before she gets taken in by the police, which is very clever of her. And then in a scene in the movie that I don't know quite what I, I I this scene made me feel like the part in The Simpsons where it's like and you get free froyo but the froyo is cursed and it's like <laughs> that's good that's bad that's good that's bad Harley Quinn charges into the police station because she is going to get the Burtonelli diamond from Cassandra Kane because. Unless she turns it over to mobster you and McGregor, he's gonna peel her face off because he's the mm-hmm. face peeler offer. That's not his name, but that's what he does. Yeah, I was like, oh, it's like that part in the Terminator when Arnold Schwarzenegger shoots up the whole police station. That's good, but it's a mass shooter situation in a movie that seems to be glorifying it. That's bad. But she's shooting everyone with like paintballs made of glitter. That's good, <laughs> but it's still glorifying a mass shooter situation. That's bad. And then the scene ended, and I was like, "Well, the movie's still going. I'm just going to keep going with it." And
0: so, <laughs> this is honestly, it's like an action movie starring Doctor Frankenfurter. Yes. Holy shit! <laughs> what a description! Oh my god! <laughs>
1: and Doctor Frankenfurter is also a complicated person who like kills people kind of on a whim, and yet also you understand where they're coming from.
0: Yes. (laughs) Um,
1: (laughs) Cards for sorrow, cards for pain, and so forth. (laughs) Oh, yeah, she gets Cassandra, right? They escape. And then something really interesting happens, which could feel forced, but to me doesn't, where it's like, you know, Harley, after being in a relationship with the Joker, is so used to, like, filth and mayhem that she's, like, ready to be a mommy, And then they have, they like bond in a punky Brewster kind of a way and they eat cereal together. And she's like, here's the old man who runs the restaurant downstairs. We're friends. He's the one man in the movie that anyone can trust. And then he gives her up in the next scene. Mm -hmm. And so she and Cassandra have to go on the run. There's a bounty on Cassandra's head because she has the diamond. Then what?
2: (laughs) We get the elaborate meetup where all the heroes and protagonists converge in the same location. Right. Where then Black Mask follows and then Black Mask goes after them with the intent of getting the diamond and then also naturally killing everybody else. Mm -hmm. Fights ensue. And then ultimately, Black Mask fails at this quest and gets blown up with a grenade given to him by a child.
0: Yay! It's beautifully satisfying. It's so satisfying.
2: It was so fast. I think it's the fastest I've seen a villain disposed of.
1: It was very fast. I actually had to rewind because I was distracted for like one second and (laughs) it like had happened. And then along the way, we also introduce Huntress, who is the daughter of the Burtonelli family, who has spent the last, like, 15 years training to avenge their deaths and therefore is really awkward, which is obviously what would happen if you would spend all your time training to avenge something, and is very charming. And she's like, they call me Huntress. And they're like, are you the crossbow killer? And she's like, no, I'm Huntress. <laughs> and then also Rosie Perez playing a detective who I know has a different name, but she let's just think of her as Rosie Perez. And they all bond over the course of this movie and it is a putting the band together getting the team together movie and I think when it came out I assumed that it was going to be I think I thought that it would be more like um the Spice Girls movie oh yeah where they're all already a team and they're having adventures all over the place and I really I like those stories but I think I like even more where you have a bunch of people with baggage and they're like I'm a loner. I have baggage. And then they meet the right people and they're like, I guess we're stronger as a team. I hope we have more adventures. I guess that's what this movie is. So having successfully brought the birds of prey together, who are like women of Gotham, who are going to fight for justice together, Harley Quinn grabs Cassandra Kane, who has yet to pass the diamond, and they drive off into the sunset with their hyena in the car. And it's great. The end.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so what's Birds of Prey really about?
2: It is about remembering who you are after a moment of a long time of your identity being so connected solely to another person. Mm. That's the Harley aspect. It is also about accepting a role that you that you could do, in theory, but it's about making the choice to actually do it. Re becoming a hero. Recognizing your worth and going where your worth is appreciated. After you avenge everything that's happened to you that was wrong, what's left and and what are you going to do?
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, psychologically speaking, vengeance rarely brings the catharsis we hope for. I love that line.
1: I love that. The
2: best line of that movie. God.
1: I I identify with Harley Quinn for, like, a number of reasons, but one of them is that she, like... Started as a high achiever who was trying to work out her demons by succeeding in academia and then went (laughs) off the rails.
0: I have several questions about that, but I do want to believe that, again, this movie nods a lot to Kill Bill. And I would love to believe that the line, again, psychologically speaking, vengeance rarely brings the catharsis we hope for was this movie talking to Kill Bill. Like I hope that this Ooh. was, it was like, <laughs> saying like...
1: Well, Kill Bill is funny because it's like you get your revenge and then in the course of killing the big boss, you find out that your baby is still alive and then you get to be a mommy. And this movie also has like the same moral.
2: Yeah. There are a couple things that this movie, I think, is does interestingly. One, I like the fact that when they do all come together, it is mildly under duress. Um, and <laughs> therefore, the team itself doesn't last very long. Like, part of it does. Part of it goes on to be a big thing. Like,
1: about 35 minutes, probably. Yeah,
2: Yeah. The team itself only really forms once everybody is in that room. And then after—and they are only at that point trying to get out of that room— Mm -hmm. And then the team like celebrates their accomplishment and then functionally mostly dissolves like two members of said party leave the party. So I guess Mm -hmm. it's still like a team that sticks with it. But like, I don't know, recognizing like, hey, we work well together and also like we appreciate things about each
0: other. We don't have to be married for the rest of our lives. This has been a great fling that we've had. It worked Mm -hmm. well. Maybe we'll come back together later. But in a future film. Let's do the things in their respective places. It lasts as long as Sandra Bullock and Keanu Reeves' relationship does after speed ends. (laughs) Exactly.
2: This thing that they formed, it's not going to stick around for super long. Also, the other thing about that line that I really like is this is one of those moments where we do, in fact, get to see Harley Quinn being... One, incredibly smart, which is not a thing that she gets to do in most other media that she is in. Mm. She's just simply portrayed as a deeply unhinged human being. Um, Just so we're clear, as a therapist, I do feel the need to tell you that revenge isn't going to help you. You have to unpack the rest of this trauma. Um, It's Mm going to not feel great, but eventually you're going to need to probably do that. I don't know. I just like that a lot. I like that we are getting a chance to see her in both the absolute pure insanity of the rest of her as a person, while also still getting that element of she's very, very well read, very intelligent, knows the entire point of a Harlequin. Yeah. (laughs) Which I thought was funny.
1: And she's, like, trying to make friends as an adult, which is very hard.
0: Oh, it's so heartbreaking when she's trying to make friends as an adult. She's trying so hard, and her friends are so shitty. Mm -hmm. Uh.
1: Two little things that I love. So we see her early on. She joins a roller derby team and try and make roller derby friends and takes them to this place where they get margaritas, and then she is coming back with the margaritas and hears them gossiping about her and how she's just, like, not fit to be alone, basically. She's just going to find some other shitty guy in a minute. Or it's not really over between her and the Joker. I feel like we've all had those moments where we're like in a public situation where like we just feel like our stomach drop out and we just want to like fling the tray of Margaritas aside and like run away. But we're like, smile though your heart is breaking, act normal, everything's normal. And she just like flings the tray aside and runs off, which I think is part of the appeal of her character. Is that like, I think a lot of people are drawn to like, off-the-wall characters who just like have no filter because they have too much filter and it would be nice to occasionally just be like you know what fuck you guys Mm -hmm. some of us could say that more
2: (laughs) yeah oh for sure (laughs) sometimes you genuinely do need to surround yourself with better company than the people who will say one thing to your face if they say anything at all and then absolutely say that other thing just right there, mm-hmm. like in the five minutes that you weren't there, weird timing to have a full dialogue about that, but okay, like I you
1: know, no consideration for for Harley Quinn's feelings
2: that is the other thing that I think was really really interesting about this is the finding of of who she is as a individual human and realizing that as a villain, she is the one who is in theory more terrifying than the Joker for the reason that she's smarter than both the villain of this movie and the Joker in general. She has more experience and a lot more, just to her credit... Including a lot of the stuff that the Joker accomplished in more recent things.
0: Mm-hmm. I love that line, the psychologically speaking one, so much because I just watched Death Wish for the first time, mm-hmm. which which is a Charles Bronson revenge movie.
1: It's like the ur modern revenge movie. Yeah,
0: totally. And and Quentin Tarantino references him like by name many times in movies, and like and not only that, like a lot of like lines or thoughts from that movie are just like said by NRA or like gun culture America on a regular basis. Like everyone believes themselves to be a super, like a future superhero cause they're armed and whatever. And I really know, like technically it wouldn't have changed much, but like had that movie had one or two lines about being like, <laughs> this actually isn't helping. Like this is, Cathartic to an extent, but like this isn't really solving everything. Like, there does need to be some deeper work here.
1: Once I stop killing people, I'll be overtaken by despair. So, I have to keep murdering random citizens, I guess.
0: (laughs) Exactly. Had there been some acknowledgement of that, again, I know it wouldn't have changed much, but I feel like maybe it would have changed some things totally. <laughs> based on yeah. where we are now the other question I have about this movie is this is such an elegant team building movie yeah yeah it's beautiful why didn't the other movies in this property He, I know that this came out so recently but like why Ooh. couldn't they do this this was so good
1: because nobody wants to do good ideas unless it says a last resort
0: there is that
1: and also
2: probably I would venture to say this film being as good as it is is simply in bringing a bunch of people together who one actually appreciate the entirety of the characters within a film I think that's Mm -hmm. one of the other things I like about this movie is that the line just sort of mentioning uh, Black Canary's Mother that line is one that It's not a deep cut fully, you you could figure that out kind of just by a brief stint on the Wikipedia page, in Mm -hmm. theory. However, the way that they did it, it just told me so much about how much they cared about each and every character, Mm. how much research they did. Not for nothing, this is also one of the few DC films written by a woman, directed by a woman, Mm -hmm. produced by multiple women. Mm. There's probably something to that most likely um also it's a film directed by women of color which i Mm -hmm. think changes a lot about how good a film is going to be particularly particularly in terms of the dc universe
1: it also opened on the eve of a pandemic so like to do perfectly fine in those conditions is actually you know should be inflated
2: yeah considering how not many of the others that they've released since then have done even close to fine or have been an absolute train wreck.
1: Right, like most DC movies are embarrassing. People really liked Aquaman. I haven't seen it. <sighs> I'm proud of James Wan. I'm happy for his <laughs> success. But, like, they've released quite a few movies in the past five years that they have to be actively embarrassed about, and this isn't one of them. And if they're not noticing trends, then, like, I don't know what they're doing.
2: Exactly. The one complaint that I will kind of understand and like give people when it comes to this movie is is the character of Cassandra Kane not being in any way shape or form remotely close to with the noted exception of in name
0: mm-hmm. in
2: name only being a character from the comics. but I don't know that I'm I'm personally not mad at it because mm-hmm. I like this one. I think this is a good iteration. also if we've had, nine different iterations of batman i think we can stand to have one of the uh i think she was a Batgirl girl at one point
1: there was a time <laughs> when we weren't just drowning in superhero movies and i imagine explaining this to a child because if you're like 12 years old you feel like you've been alive for a while you know what things are like and yet every year of your conscious existence there have been like 30 superhero movies clamoring for our attention every year and it's just it's just its own genre it is. at this point and it's like a very robust one and i've said before on this show like i'm happy with that i think that like superhero movies are a way to convince studios to finance something that might be able to go in some interesting places because we know that people we want to see cars go fast and we want to see superheroes do stuff like if we can see some superheroes then we will watch some other things <laughs> that are attached to the superheroes pretty reliably like we've been drowning in jokers even like it's so funny to me that it's like well we've had the heath Ledger joker and the jared leto joker that everyone hated and we've also had the todd phillips joker and probably we'll have another one next year. It's just like, yeah, if we're having so many jokers, if we're just like in this Cambrian explosion of superheroes and villains, then like let we can just do anything. Like let's throw some spaghetti at the wall.
0: Sir, can yeah. you ta- can you talk about the the thing that you were saying earlier about about how on the other side of Harley Quinn's history, like in her overachiever history, we had a bit of that. Can you talk a bit about like who she was and who she is now?
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm not intimately equated with her as a character, but she used to be a psychiatrist. Her original name is Harleen Quinzel, and she worked with the Joker in a kind of like Silence of the Lambs capacity, is my understanding, or more like a Will Graham and Hannibal Lecter capacity, and fell hard for him and became his accomplice. This movie addresses a time in people's lives that I do feel like we don't see as much as maybe we need to in fiction, which is a character like that time in your life when you kind of were stuck and then you had a relationship that opened you up to the world or changed you in ways that you actually really needed to be changed. Mm -hmm. and then also left you in pieces. And you're like, ah, fuck. That was a lot of things that just happened altogether. And you're like, well, I'm glad I'm like crazy bitch now because that's truer to who I was pretending to be before. I feel more myself like living above this restaurant and having a pet hyena. Like, this is really who I am. But like, how do I now do this on my own? Like, who am I basically? What's my identity after a big breakup? And what am I gonna do with the things that I figured out how to do in the world? And how do I figure out like how much power I actually do have?
0: And JV, you said that you came into this movie when you were going through a breakup. Like how much of that resonated with you and and what did you see what did you see in the movie?
2: In particular, that breakup was one where I don't know. I tend to um for relationships just in general. Or get very excited at the possibility of the relationship and like what the future might be of that, which the only thing from Suicide Squad that I think sort of carried through was the hope of a quote unquote normal ish future for Harley. Was that was a thing that she had in that movie. Naturally with the breakup is a thing that she had to let go. Similarly, I <laughs> similarly, in that same boat of having to just sort of let that as an idea, as a concept go. And then sort of trying to, with that breakup in particular, there was also a lot of the sort of isolation thing. Mm -hmm. Sort of the only point of contact I had for like a lot of interacting with other people was through this person. So it was having to get rid of all of that and rebuild a network of friends and things for myself, which took a fair bit of time but right when I was seeing this movie I was I was getting to the point where I was coming to terms with that with needing to do that and going through and watching this movie sort of allowed me to remember the things that I even hobbies that I liked and like specific activities that I enjoyed and like potentially ways of going about figuring out other things that I enjoy and finding more people to interact with. Also, this being a good people's reaction to this movie in general, being a very good gauge
1: mm. for a
2: date night movie. <laughs> Absolutely a phenomenal gauge.
0: One of the things that you were, you were just speaking to that I, I think I'm only now appreciating about what this does in the story is how simultaneously terrifying and liberating a breakup is.
1: Mm. Yes.
0: Yeah. Mm -hmm. In this case, her breakup means that she's now very vulnerable to death. Right. Mm-hmm. Which is how you feel after you get out of particular relationships where it's like, how will I know how to be in the world? Like, will I have any friends? Can I make friends? Like, Because your shroud was like also a weighted blanket. Totally. And and you're you're just like kind of like a pile of nerves. And it takes a while to realize that it is liberating, even if you know immediately, like intellectually, it's liberating, which like mm-hmm. it just takes a while to get to a place where you could even make friends or like be a good full human or remember what you as you said at the beginning jv like remember what you are interested in outside of joker stuff outside of mr j
1: (laughs) (laughs) harley in this movie reminds me of uh Dolly Parton's character in Straight Talk. Oh, wow. (laughs) Which is a movie where I think it's underwatched. You should watch it if you haven't seen it. After a breakup, Dolly Parton leaves for the big city. She goes to Chicago and she, you know, is down to like her last few bucks. And she goes to interview for a job, I think, as a receptionist at a radio station and there's a classic 90s movie mix-up. They think that she's the uh, radio talk therapist who they've hired to come in for the day. Like she's such a hit that they hire her full-time and she's like full-time giving advice. And it's funny to me now in retrospect that they're like, she's made a career out of giving psychiatric help on the radio but she doesn't actually have a degree she's just making it up as she goes along and now it's like that's the entire basis for prime time programming or daytime anyway
0: (laughs) yeah
1: and like that's harley like she's just had a breakup she's trying to make her way in the world she's figuring out i feel like this is like the joker helps her figure out that she's chaotic but she's like you know i'm not actually chaotic evil i think i'm chaotic neutral Mm. i think that's more me
2: oh that totally checks out oh
1: yeah I feel like people sometimes will like take themselves to task for being like I've been in relationships this whole time and I feel like I'm not figuring out who I am like there's this idea that you have to like be by yourself and go into the forest to figure out who you are and as someone who has spent a lot of time being by myself and going into various literal and metaphorical forests like that's a way and it's important to me, but it's not essential to everyone. And one of the other main ways that I figured out who I am and what I care about is just through relationships. Like every relationship gives you information about who you are and you find parts of yourself by locating them in other people first. And like, I love how this has turned into like this talk about just how like Harley's doing great. And like, you can't what you can't regret the time you spent in a relationship with the Joker. You just have to realize that like you needed to be in a relationship with the Joker to get where you are now. And where you are now is great. And you're gonna eat
0: the sandwich. It's like a, such a simple framing to be like, should you ever have been in that bad relationship? And it's like, yeah, in an ideal world, I wouldn't have gotten stuck in a bad relationship where I had to learn lessons while in a bad relationship. But like you still become
1: But, like, babies have to touch a hot stove. They can't just, like, be born with the knowledge to not do it.
0: Yeah, babies have to touch hot stoves, people. (laughs) Exactly. Like, sometimes you do have to touch hot stove. Sometimes you have to be in a poor relationship. It would have been great if there was another way around it. There wasn't. Did you find the positive takeaways in retrospect, and did you learn from the bullshit?
2: Yeah. I think there is one other thing from this movie that I really absolutely love which is that when the team fully does come together it is out of a sense of protecting someone yeah yeah and not necessarily out of a like well we just need to team up just because like no there's a tiny child that will not survive
0: this if we don't like because all of existence will be written out of existence.
1: We got to stop an alien from destroying the universe.
0: <laughs>
2: Here's just, we need to save a child. This child will literally die if we don't like.
0: She'll have her face ripped off. Peeled.
1: Peeled peeled off i love that the stakes <laughs> are like this knowable seeable little girl who is also in the words of one of the characters in lock stock and smoking bear and two smoking barrels a fucking thief <laughs> 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 uh,
2: yes i also appreciate that like there's just a just a moment where i'm like oh This character that has been completely on her own for a while now has like three older sisters, four older sisters. Good for her. Oh,
0: yay. Yeah.
2: Oh, it does occur to me we haven't talked about Ewan McGregor yet, really.
0: At all. Ewan McGregor goes to town so hard in this role, and I think he's glorious. Sarah, what is his, what is his shtick?
1: You know what he's like. It's like when you're watching an, a a classic episode of Miami Vice because they always had ridiculous guest stars, and you're like, "Oh, this is the one where, where Frank Zappa plays a fast talking coked up drug lord, and it's our like, wet and like the villains are often just like on a lot of nice cocaine." And it's like that. He just seems like a Miami Vice villain. Frank Zappa. (laughs) Frank Zappa was in Miami Vice, by the way. I'm not making that up.
0: No, he wasn't, was he? That's so good. Yeah. I was trying to think of who else would have made an appearance. Like there's where Pat Sajak plays a plays a cocktail. That's great news, Sarah. I'm glad to know
1: Mark Lynn Baker, Leonard Cohen, everybody. Everybody was on Miami Vice. (laughs) Great news. And Yeah, and he, and he lives in a loft. He's a villain who lives in a loft, which I find so charming.
0: And he likes things not because he's smart, but because he thinks they're cool. Like, I think that mm-hmm. that's so funny about him. He has, like, these shrunken heads, and he gives the history, and he just thinks they're cool. Like, which is, like, he's so kitschy. I love him.
1: And he also, he reminds you kind of of a startup guy or, like, a yeah. Silicon Valley guy because he's, like, look at all my stuff. Like, totally. he has a woman over, and he, like starts showing her his cool things. This movie is like, listen, like we're in a popcorn wonderland, of course, but we do understand that like, it is ultimately sympathetic for women to just kill lots of people sometimes because we are living in a man's world and because men will, like, terrifyingly, like, get someone to cut your dress off because it displeases them and because sexual violence is everywhere. So, like, you know, I think that, like, the ethics of this movie are based on this tacit mm. agreement that, like, sometimes you just have to become a mercenary, sweetie. Like, sometimes that's how it goes and it's not ideal. But, like, no. Eh.
2: In the early bits, you sort of are like, like he's not harmless, but he's definitely... Yeah. A little campier of a villain that doesn't really, that you are like, I don't know how much of this man I'm going to take seriously in the early bits, particularly after seeing how nobody else does either. Mm
0: -hmm. And even then, like he had, Oh, it's terrible too, because like the logistics are, he like has that woman's partner, presumable partner or person who he's with cut the dress off of her as this like public humiliation thing. It's, it's like the one moment that feels like you're out of a cartoon movie Mm -hmm. and you're like in a place where the specter of sexual violence is like always around in one way or another. Mm -hmm. And it also does. I mean, it's obviously it's bad. It is an assault. It is, it is terrible, but like we're also into this phase in which people are trying to figure out how to like move beyond rape revenge movies and have Mm -hmm. revenge movies with this sort of uh, new batch of movies that's come out. Like I thought it was fascinatingly, Done to bring you into reality, to remind you of reality, and to also not make it pornographic. Yes.
1: Yeah. And to be like, why are these characters behaving this way? Well, here's why. Okay. Anyway, back to the characters behaving this way.
0: Right. It didn't strike me while we're watching the movie, but the way we're describing Ewan McGregor's character is it's a lot like Trump in that he's a buffoon a lot of people Mm. think he's a buffoon but when you see him be real you're like oh shit
1: and he can like hide his dangerousness behind because you're like oh he's a buffoon he's not really that dangerous and it's like well buffoons are the most dangerous sometimes I think you'll find especially in got right here in Gotham City yeah I also like that this movie like isn't enamored of him like I'm sure people were disappointed that he wasn't like Like, a cool, like, Nolan villain who's like, I'm scary and my voice is rumbly and I have a philosophy and stuff.
0: It's an exact counter to that because Harley Quinn speaks, like, while he's about to be that to her, Mm -hmm. she deconstructs what he is about to do for him and she's deconstructing like the classic villain speech the classic cool villain guy from like maybe the the Nolan movies to his face and says like you know maybe you think you're trying to satisfy your father in some way like what does she say about that which is so great
2: you're doing something that you think will impress your dad but really it's a misplaced attempt to gain his respect <laughs> <laughs>
1: Oh, Which I is love her. so good. And as a woman who's been being told to shut up by men for my entire life, starting with my dad, like yeah, yet another thing that just makes me feel heart to heart with Harley.
2: Mm.
1: Also, Ewan McGregor looks amazing. He looks fantastic. Like I
0: I, I love what he's done. Uh, <laughs> <Christ>. <laughs>
1: I definitely had a crush on him when he was in Moulin Rouge because I feel like he was this oh. idea of, like, masculinity just, like, soaked in feelings. Just, like, he's like, <laughs> feelings. Let's sing about love, you know? And, like, I I will always be grateful to him for that. That was just, I don't know. what a, What a beautiful, yeah, what a great romantic hero to just be like, I have so many feelings. You should have feelings with me.
0: I'm just gonna say we know that patriarchy is the father in this movie. Yes. <laughs> Who is yeah. the daddy? And JV, you you got us started. Let's let's hear about it.
2: The daddy, I would say, is Renee Montoya for the simple reason of Renee seems to have a clear goal mm. save for things actively like stopping her from doing a good job, like for example, her really shitty coworkers mm. just showing all of the microaggressions that yeah. occur to like women in the workplace and like in such a clear way that was just one of the things that I liked in the writing and the acting and the delivery of all of those sort of weird moments like whenever she was like gearing up to um well one there's that lovely moment when she like she was on the scene as the senior detective gave somebody a request and then they didn't do it mm. Until they got the Mm -hmm. signal from her clearly younger partner. Yeah. The way in which those things were delivered was just phenomenal. And I felt like it made it very clear. But 90% of the time, she does seem to have her shit together and um, also be.
1: And she gets shot and she's like, I'm fine. (laughs)
2: Like, gonna get up after. It's like, I have my miracle bra on. (laughs) Just a bulletproof corset
1: maybe you've like summed up what I like so much about this movie and how, and I feel similarly about revenge, which is Mm -hmm. similarly, it's a rape revenge movie directed by a woman and which is like really focuses on the revenge against the men. And I feel like in both of these movies, what I'm noticing myself responding to is like, what if we had this like very heightened reality where beautiful women were committing acts of, cinematic violence against men who are standing in for like the very real patriarchal structures that are keeping women down all the time. There's like this combination of like a bedrock that feels very real. And then it has cotton candy all over it. And the cotton candy is spattered with blood.
0: Speaking to what you were saying to JV about the microaggressions that you see, I think often the genre both like rape revenge and just like general revenge is there's one traumatic thing like a big traumatic thing happens and it's the focal point and and you have to watch it right and this movie does a great job of creating an air of the trauma
1: and again like this thing of having women on in powerful roles on the creative team and directing the whole enterprise you're like that's how you end up with a movie where you're like we all know that there's been some kind of major traumatic incident in each of these women's lives at Mm -hmm. the minimum, but we don't have to see it because we know and like, that's not going to be fun.
0: Totally. And it, and it does such a great job of painting. There's an air of menace everywhere and Mm -hmm. not, which is like, I feel like something that gets left out when it's just like a kind of like an origin, an origin event, Mm -hmm. the guy, just the hyena guy, right? Like a guy (laughs) who says some shit, Mm that says some like gross shit and gets really close and like that's the menace and it's like that multiplied by seven times a day multiplied by every day
1: and he's like you're gonna fuck me for my hyena and that's just the world that we live in
0: Sarah who's your daddy
1: my daddy is Harley because this is a classic daddy move to be like I'm a loner I don't want a kid to saddle me I don't want a kid to slow me down and then to be like happily eating cereal with the kid five minutes later like dads who are like, we're not getting a cat, and then he get a cat, and he's, and then the next thing you know, he's like watching Jeopardy with a kitten snoozing on his chest. Uh,
2: <laughs> my feelings! I don't know why that is a that is an image just just, just hit me and my feelings in the exact perfect way.
0: <laughs> I don't know the name of my daddy. It's the one who we were talking about at the beginning who goes away for 15 years and then comes back. the Huntress.
1: Oh, Huntress. Yeah.
0: Huntress is mine specifically because she's technically proficient because she's been working on the technical aspects, but has no idea how to connect with anyone emotionally or make small talk.
1: I love it. Oh, you know who she reminds me of? I just realized she reminds me of Anya from
0: Buffy. Oh, I have never seen it. Oh, yeah.
1: Oh, Anya is a revenge demon who becomes human and she's extremely charming because she like just doesn't get human stuff.
0: That's a fun quirk. I love don't get human stuff. I love yeah. teaching Johnny five what it's like to be a human. I love teaching this woman what it's like to announce that you're a bad guy.
1: Because then for me as, as a confused human, I get to learn through the confused, not quite human characters what it's like to be human. It's perfect.
0: JV, this is spectacular. Where do we find any of the things that you want people to find?
2: If y'all want to hear me read tarot cards for people, you can do that at JVReadsTheT, which is JV underscore Reads on Twitter. You can hear me voice act in several things. I will announce all of them. I will, in fact, scream them on my Twitter account, which is at RedBlackGolden, black being spelled B-L-A-Q-U-E, because I am fancy. RedBlackGolden uh, on Twitter and Instagram. And also TikTok, but I'm gonna be real. I don't. I, I don't be posting TikToks that often. Thanks for bringing this to us. Thank you so much for having me on. This makes me so happy. I am so thrilled. Oh my god! I also forgot to plug the sequel that I wrote to this. Yeah, the, the one that is that is a fan made sequel that made exactly no money whatsoever. I simply need to note that for DC. <laughs> that is a uh, Birds of Prey outcry, uh, which I believe is on Twitter at B-O-P Outcry and it's on all uh Birds of Prey Outcry that's great
0: I'm so excited yeah, for me that too. We'll put it in the notes. Awesome. Thank you so much. This has been wonderful. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to now love this movie, too. I think this movie's great. I would like, I will enthusiastically recommend that people watch this movie. Yes. And then I want an
1: article from a Gotham paper about how they solved the pothole problem so successfully. And then I will have everything.
2: (laughs) (laughs)
0: All right, everybody, thank you so much for listening to this episode of You Are Good. Thank you to JV Hampton Vanzette for being a part of this conversation. You can find JV's sequel, audio sequel to Birds of Prey, a Birds of Prey Outcry, on the internet. We'll link it in the show notes so you can find it there. Check it out. (laughs) Freaking cool project. It was an absolute pleasure to have JV on board. I'm so glad that they joined. We had just the most wonderful time. Thank you to Carolyn Kendrick for producing this episode, all of our episodes. Carolyn does an amazing job overseeing production and uh, making music and sound collages and all of the things. You can find Carolyn's music at carolynkendrick.com. She has an EP called Tear Things Apart. And very soon, I know we've said this a bunch, but very soon, We are going to release songs from the show to you. It's just, it's like, you got to deal with rights and all this stuff in order to make sure everything's good and the T's are crossed and the I's are dotted. That's what we're doing, but it's coming. It's coming. I promise. Follow us on Instagram, on Twitter. You can follow me on TikTok. You can find us on Patreon where you'll get those bonus episodes that I've talked about in the past. And uh, you can find us there. All right. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. Take care.